So I, I want you to find three places in your Bible as we're only going to look at three portions of Scriptures this morning. First one is Isaiah 52. Second one will be Romans 10. And the last one will be Exodus chapter 17. And uh, those are the three portions of Scripture we're going to look at. We're going to start off in, in Isaiah 52, verse 7 first though. And uh, before we read the verse, um, this month we've been focusing on the importance of missions and the beauty of the Gospel preacher. Uh, missions is the heartbeat of God. And some aspect can be found woven into every individual book of the Bible. Uh, you see the heart of missions from Genesis all the way through Revelation. God's always been a focus and a heart uh, to see people saved. And, um, and missions is a great part of that. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God has been reaching out to anyone who would desire to have a relationship with Him. God didn't physically manifest Himself to every individual person in this world. Instead, He uses individuals like you and I to go and tell others all about Him. Now let's look at Isaiah chapter 52, verse number 7. It says here, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. And before we dive in further into the message this morning, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to, to meet with us this morning. Father, we do thank You again so much, Lord, for Your love, for Your grace, for Your mercy. And Lord, we do thank You that You've given us such a beautiful day today, Lord, with the weather. I do pray that You would, Father, just bless our time this morning together. God, that You stir our hearts, Lord, towards this thing called missions. Why it's so important. Why it's so needed. And um, and why we're needed in that in that um, in that plan. And Father, I do pray that You would speak to hearts this morning. God, that You would um, just work on them. And uh, if they need to be convicted, bring conviction, Lord. And I pray that You would just help us, Lord, as we learn more this morning. And I pray that You would bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, in this verse, we see that in God's eyes, the feet are beautiful of those who bring good tidings and publish peace about salvation. Now today, these are those who go and preach and witness to others about the Gospel. I mean, that's what the Gospel is. The Gospel is good news. That's what it means. That's what the word Gospel means. And so, when you're going out and giving the Gospel, you're giving the good news of salvation of what Jesus Christ has done uh, for each one of us. Um, hearing of what Jesus Christ did for you and that cross and what He paid for our salvation, that is good news. I mean, He, he paid it all. He did everything on our behalf. Um, he purchased it with His own blood. Now, He didn't have to go to the cross and be crucified. He could have stopped. He could have said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, no, they're not worth it. I'm not going to the cross. He could have, but he didn't. And the reason was is because he loved you and I so much. Uh, that's the reason why the, God's heart is for missions. is because he's concerned for the souls of mankind. Now we have been all been commissioned to tell others the good news of salvation. And when we are faithful in doing so, God says that it is a beautiful sight. You see, people are not going to just mysteriously hear the Gospel in a dream 
or a voice whispering it upon the wind. They need to be told what happened and why. Uh, turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10, please. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Look at verse number 13. You know, I didn't one day wake up and, you know, had a dream and, and say, you know what? I know all about Jesus Christ, what He did for me, and I, I decided I'm going to be a Christian. Um, I didn't just have a dream and wake up and want to be a Christian. Um, God doesn't work that way. He works through people telling others about the Gospel. And uh, if you look here in, in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, we'll start there. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But verses 14 and 15 are key about them calling upon the Lord. Because verse 14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. Not everyone gets saved. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, when before I got saved growing up, you know, yeah, I heard about Jesus. I watched documentaries on on TV, you know, especially around Easter and Christmas time. You know, they'd always have something about the birth of Christ or the crucifixion. Uh, I had head knowledge. I've heard the name Jesus before. I knew some of the life of Jesus. But it was all up here. But it wasn't until someone began to show me the Scriptures that I soon realized what and why Jesus came. And it came from here down into here. And that's the big part. Some people may hear about Jesus. They may know about the name Jesus or who Jesus is, but they don't have a personal relationship with Him. It's all up here in their head. There's nothing in their heart. There's no change. There's nothing uh, that has um, modified their life. And, uh, and you can go all your life knowing about Jesus. But until you do something with that knowledge of what He has done for you, it's, it's not going to benefit you at all. Because uh, even the devils believe in Jesus. They know about Jesus. But it's what you do with that belief uh, is what makes the difference. Now, if you look here in verse number 14, it says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How, how are they going to you know, uh, call upon the name of the Lord if they don't even know who He is? How shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Um, that's the reason why we have missions. That's the reason why... Uh, people risk their lives to, to leave family, to leave homes, to go and tell others the Gospel because of these verses right here. Because they know that if, if they don't go, they may never hear the Gospel. They may never have the opportunity to get saved. And that's why they, that's why they go. Um, and that's why we need to send them. Now, sometimes we do put missionaries on a, on a, a pedal, a pedestal that's higher than than normal Christians. But missionaries are just normal people just like you. Uh, we're not, you know, some kind of spiritual elite, you know, that, that we're the cream of the crop, so to speak, and, and we're the only ones that God favors. 
It's not that way at all. Uh, in reality, it's just the only thing that's different is that God said, I want you to go here. They say, okay, Lord, that's where you want my, us to spend our life in the minister. And we're going to trust you and we're going to live by faith and, and follow you. Um, that's what a missionary is. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to have a doctorate in his name in order to be qualified to be a missionary. Um, though he should, you know, not be someone who's unlearned. Um, but the thing is there is that there's not these huge, you know, 20 list requirements for a person to be a missionary. God just wants someone who will serve him, who will be willing to serve him, and who loves him and loves the souls of other people who are lost. Um, that's what a missionary is. A missionary seldom, though, can do the work all alone. They need people to help them, and they need you. And, uh, and that's the kind of the title of my message this morning, is that missionaries need you. And you may wonder how or why does a missionary need me? Because they need people to help them. They need you. Uh, you may believe that you're insignificant to, to the work of the Lord. But in reality, you are so essential. You may think, but I'm, I'm just a nobody. You know, I, I come to church and, you know, and, and, and um, whenever I, I, I'm able to and things like that, and I, how could God use me? I'm just a nobody. But in God's eyes, you're not a nobody. You're actually quite essential, not only to this church, but also to the work of missions. And we're going to learn about that here in a little bit. Now, this morning, I want to, to look at a portion of Scripture that illustrates just how valuable you are to the missionary and why we need you. Let's go ahead and go to Exodus now. Exodus chapter 17. You know, there's no age limit of where a person can tell others about Christ or have a burden to help and to teach and, and uh, to reach people, um, you know, their own age or, or people who are in need. I mean, you know, we just learned that, you know, from Mona that um, Amy Carmichael, 16 years old, and she saw these, these poor women, probably not even able to, to go to school to be able to learn how to write, to learn how to read. And she took it upon herself to teach them the Bible, teach them how to read, teach them how to write, because society looked down upon them as the outcasts and it would have nothing to do with them. And But she saw a burden there to, to reach them. She was just 16 years old. Uh, you don't have to be an old person to, to, to want to do something for the Lord. You can do it even as a young person. Uh, you know, having time... Uh, meeting with your classmates, you know, showing them or reading the Bible together, uh, praying together at school, different things like that. You can do these different things if you see the need, if you see the opportunities uh, and, as you follow the Lord. But look here at uh, Exodus chapter 17. We're going to pick up in verse number 8. <clears throat> verse number 8 says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, 
and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up into the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And uh, let's look at verse number 8 here. It says here, when Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. So who was this Amalek guy? Well, soon after they were leaving the bondage of Egypt. This is shortly after the, the Exodus here. Uh, they've crossed the Red Sea. Um, you know, this is shortly after leaving Egypt. The devil was waiting to fight against God and his people. The Amalekites were descendants of Esau, which is Jacob's or Israel's twin brother. They hated the children of Israel because of what Jacob did to their father by stealing his birthright as being firstborn. And that story is found in Genesis chapter 27. See, the devil knows who to use to cause you the most hurt, even if it's your own family members. He will use the things they may say or do to discourage you from following God. See, the Amalekites attacked shortly after the children of Israel experienced a great miracle. Uh, in the previous verses here in chapter 17, uh, we see that, that God uh, used Moses to, to bring water from the rock. And, uh, you know, he smote the rock and, and, and the water came gushing out and was able to, to, to give them water for millions of people. That's a lot of water. And uh, so they had seen this great miracle. But you know what? Often the devil will, will be there to attack after you've had a great victory in your life or your walk with God and have seen God do something amazing for you. Uh, you know, you, you may have, you know, had a great time with the Lord one day and that next day the devil is waiting there to discourage you and just to, uh, to put you through the ringer, so to speak. And, and you, and you feel like, man, I, I, I was just having a great day yesterday, but now I feel miserable. Devil is always waiting to, to find opportunities. Even after the great uh, experiences, the great uh, things that God does for you, the devil is always ready to be there to attack. See, the Malachites attack from behind, attacking those who were weaker and slower than the rest of the Israelites. Uh, how do you know this? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 and 18, Moses writes this. He says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when ye were come forth out of Egypt how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. You want to know where Amalek attacked? Or where he attacked? He attacked the rear guard. He didn't face the, the strong part of, of the children of Israel. But rather, as the children of Israel were, were going through the country, he came from behind and started to attack those who were weary those who couldn't keep up with the, the rest of, of the Israelites, those who may have been the sick or uh, those who um, were the feeble. This kind of shows you that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to attack those who are away from God and, and spiritually weak. Those are his primary targets because they're not able to defend themselves against him and are easy prey. He attacked the weakest. Now, if you look here in verse number 9, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men. Go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Now, I want you to use your imagination. Okay? And uh, this, is, this is good exercise for you when you, when you read the Bible. Uh, put yourself in this position. 
in this location. You know, you've you, you come to find out there's messengers coming up saying, you know, Moses, we're under attack. The Amalekites are attacking us. Uh, what do you want us to do? What should we do? Now, listen, you know, they had just escaped from, from Egypt. They've been in bondage. They've been servants. Uh, these aren't trained warriors yet. These are people who are used to building bricks, building straw. They're not a trained military unit. And uh, so this is the first time they're being attacked and they don't know what to do. What are we going to do? How are we going to uh, defend ourselves against Amalek? What should we, uh, what's going to happen? And uh, so as we put ourselves in, in uh, our imagination, as we, as we hear these, this news, as, as they're, they're talking to Moses, um, look how he responds. You know, he doesn't, they're not panicking, you know. He's not saying, oh God, what are we going to do? He says, okay, choose us out men. He goes to Joshua, choose us out men, go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand and, uh, and look at what happens in verse number 10. And so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Uh, so here they are in a battle. The battle has come to them. And can I tell you this morning, you and I are also uh, already in a battle. The enemy is already on the attack and has been for the last 6,000 years. This battle is for the souls of men. The devil has been attacking and trying to, to lead people astray ever since the, after the Garden of Eden. Just as Moses knew that he had to take part in this battle, a missionary knows that they are entering the front lines of the battlefield. Now Moses may not have realized just how much the battle as we're going to see, rested on his part. But a missionary knows that if they do not join the battle, then the enemy has already won and people will remain in blindness and spiritual darkness toward God and salvation. The missionary doesn't go. Who will tell them? Who will tell them about salvation? Who will tell them about the Gospel? That's why a missionary must go. Because they may not ever hear otherwise. See, every person in this room who is a born-again Christian has been the recipient of the sacrifices made by missionaries at some point. Whether it was to your native land that brought Christianity there, or even here and you heard the Gospel because of the preaching and ministering of Pastor Ledbetter and those helping him. Uh, you know, Maybe God led you here and this is where you heard the Gospel and you knew that you needed to trust Christ as, as uh, your Savior. But what would happen if this church never existed? Where would you be? Where would you be in your life? Would you be saved? Would you have ever heard the gospel? You see, God sent Pastor Lebler here because he knew that there's people here that need to hear the gospel. And, uh, and that's what he does. Um, you can trade, you know, it may take generations, but to some point, uh, all of us owe our salvation to somebody taking the gospel to another person, another place, so they can hear it. And we're all the ben- we are, we've all benefited from someone making that sacrifice to tell somebody else. Sadly, though, there are still billions of people who not even know who Jesus Christ is. And you think, well, how can nobody know who Jesus is? I mean, with the technology that we have today, you know, and Facebook, Internet, uh, yeah, but there's still a lot of people who don't even know who He is. Again, they have that head knowledge, or what they read on the news, but they don't know who He is. That's where you and I come into 
into play. Notice, though, in verse number 10, that Moses did not go up on the hillside alone. Aaron and Hur went up along with him. And we're going to see how important they are in just a minute. Now, Moses most likely positioned himself where those in the battle could see him. Now, uh, we're going to kind of do a little bit of an illustration here. So, I'm going to have my Moses come up. Come on up, Leo. Thank you. Now, if you look here in verse number 11, uh, or sorry, and um, yeah, verse number 11 says, It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. So now, uh, Leo, I just want you to hold, hold it up as high as you can, and I want you to keep holding it up. Okay? All right. <laughs> okay. So as long as Moses here held up the rod, held it up, Israel prevailed in the battle. But then, you know, after a while, he got tired, didn't he? And so he would he would raise he'd let the the, the staff down. So go ahead and let the staff down for a little bit, all the way down. And now when he did that, Amalek prevailed. And so now he realized, I've got to keep my hand raised. That's the only way they're going to win this battle. And so, go ahead and put your hand up. Okay? Alright, keep it there. Okay? I'll let you know further here in a little bit. <laughs> Alright. So, verse number 11 tells us how important Moses' part played in the battle. As long as the staff was raised, they were victorious. They were, they were uh, gaining the edge. But whenever his hand dropped, Amalek prevailed. Now, just as the outcome of the battle depended upon Moses, the outcome of the spiritual battle for the eternity of souls of men depends upon all of us. Now, look here in verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now, we don't know when the battle started. Um, obviously, it probably was not at night. They didn't battle most times during the nighttime. So you could probably imagine the next day, early in the morning, the battle begins. And so Moses, he walked up on, onto the mountain like he told Joshua that he was going to do. And so he had his, his staff up there. Now, even the strongest human arm will fail in strength when it's extended for a long time. You getting tired yet? <laughs> Alright. So, now again, I did not pick Leo because of his age. I'm, I'm, I'm completely honest with you. But now remember, Moses is over 80 years old at this time. <laughs> so, but he still had strength. And Leo, you, you probably could work around some of these young men here. Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't a spry young man. Though he still did have his physical strength, who knows how long he kept the staff raised before letting it down to rest. I mean, you know, we've only been doing this for what, ten minutes? Maybe? Five? <laughs> and so, you know, your arm gets tired after a while. You see, the ministry can be weary. Moses was battling spiritually in prayer while Joshua fought physically. The spiritual battles 
are often more exhausting than the physical ones. Uh, I know there's been times where Tony and I, we go out um, soul winning, you know, maybe for um, 12 weeks to freedom. And we're knocking on those doors and, and after we get done being out there, it feels like we have, you know, we've run 10 miles. We're just exhausted because we're, we're, we're engaging in a spiritual warfare. Um, trying to tell others how to get help for, with their addictions and things like that and, and how they can get, uh, how they can be saved, um, from those addictions. And, um, that's the ministry. It can be very weary. Now, when a missionary is out ministering to people and carrying their burdens, their hurts, and sometimes even the betrayals of those who they have grown to love, it wears them down as well. The burdens and stress they carry out of the love for the people around them does weigh them down. Now, you may not see it because, you know, they, they'll come in and they'll have a smile on their face and they'll say, you know, it's been a good day and things like that. But you have no idea all the burdens that they've been going through through the week. Um, the hardship, the heartache, dealing and helping with people and their burdens and their heartaches, trying to, to lift them up, you know, try to encourage them. And uh, you don't see the weariness that, that, that they go through. And this is one reason why some missionaries take a furlough. And it is good that Pastor Leber and Nita took this furlough to rest. They needed it. They've been here for 23 years. Um, and they needed a time just to kind of take a little bit of a break, recharge. And I can guarantee you, when Pastor Nita get back, you guys are going to need to buckle your seatbelts in because he's going to have a lot of uh, things he wants to do. He's going to have... You know, new dreams, new plans, and he's going to, you know, I have a feeling he's going to really want to do some great things. Getting tired yet? <laughs> no, nope. uh, we're almost, we're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> so, um, but as we look here in verse number 12, Aaron and her, they're standing by. And I'm going to have my Aaron and her. So, Darren, if you would come up. Tunday, I'll have you come up as well. So, these are my Aaron and her. So, <laughs> they came up. They saw that, you know, Moses' hand was getting weary. They saw that he was getting tired. And they saw that when he also dropped the staff, that the Israelites were losing. And so, they, they took it upon themselves. Moses didn't ask for the help. Okay, we don't see anywhere in Scripture where Moses said, hey guys, can you give me a hand over here? <laughs> they saw that he was struggling. And so what they did is they grabbed him a stone. So go ahead and grab, grab a chair there. They brought it to Moses. Go ahead and put it behind him. <laughs> so that he can sit down Sunday. <laughs> Alright. And so Moses was able to have a seat. There you go. <laughs> now then, to help him with raising the staff up, they both took, each, each of them took an arm and they raised him up and so that he would be able to keep his hands up, not of his own strength, but because of their strength. And so now because of the battle going on, Moses was able to keep his hands up. And the Bible says that he was able to keep them steady. In other words, he could rest in their strength. He was that, that he was able to, to do that. Now then, um, just as Moses needed Aaron and her, 
Missionaries need faithful churches and Christians helping them, keeping their arms raised up in the fight. You see, your prayer and financial support keep their hands held up, just as Aaron and Hur lifted up the hands of Moses. You see, Moses needed both men, not just the one. He needed both of them. And that's why that's where your uh, prayer comes in, and that's also where your financial support is as well. These are areas where you and I are needed in the work of missions. You see, we made, you know, last week we heard a great message from uh, Brother Leighton Kelly. Are you, are you going or are you sending? You know, all of us, we can't go to the foreign reaches of, of the world. But we can send someone to go on our behalf. And that's why we support our missionaries. And, uh, and so they need our prayer support, yes. But they also need our financial support. Um, both are very important. Prayer support is very important. But so is financial support. They've got to eat. They've got to be able to take care of their families. Uh, they got to be able to use the money to minister to the people there. Things like that. They have needs. They have burdens just like you and I do. Um, and so, not only should we be, you know, as our praying, um, but we should also be giving towards missions as well. But that giving towards missions is not just our tithe. This should be something that's in addition to our tithe. The tithe goes to local church. But our missions, we should, it should be something that we desire to contribute for, for the missionaries. You see, for example, uh, though Jennifer and I are missionaries, yes, we're missionaries here, but we also give a special offering every single month that we give towards missionaries because we want to invest in missions as well. I mean, we're here in Ireland, but we want to be, a, we want to have a part in people reaching other parts of the world. And so Jennifer and I, we personally, we set aside just a little bit every month that we can and we give that to missions, which is not part of our tithe. We want it to be going to missions, not just giving in tithe and saying, well, I hope it gets to go, it's going to be going to missions. I want it to be able to go to missions personally. Now, last Sunday evening, we heard that when the great missionary, William Carey, was commissioned for missionary service abroad, Andrew Fuller, who was a pastor friend, said on the occasion, there is a gold mine in India but it seems as deep as the center of the earth. In other words, he's saying there's a great potential of reaching people with the gospel in India. But it's not just on the surface. You're going to have to dig deep. It's, you know, it's not going to be maybe just a, a revival as soon as you get there. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of labor. Um, that's, that's what he was saying. And Carrie replied, I will venture down into that mine to dig. But remember, you must hold the rope. Because I can't do it alone. I need you. I need you to hold the rope while I go. And that's where we as a church, we as Christians, that's where we, our responsibility is. You see, you and I are the ones holding the ropes and holding the missionaries' hands up in the battle. You see, Satan will try his best to stop you from praying, stop you from giving towards missions. And the quickest way, because he knows that the quickest way to win a battle is to sever the enemy's supply line. And that's what we are. We're that supply line. 
Where are the supply line of prayer? Where are the supply line of their finances? Without those supplies, the army will begin to lose morale and strength. Now, I want you guys to step away for a minute. Had Aaron not been there, Moses would have been all alone. Probably would not have been able to keep his hands raised the entire time. And it's possible that the Israelites may have lost. We don't know that. They were needed in order to bring victory in this battle. We're needed just as important. Uh, you know, prayer is there. Uh, we have financial. See, missionaries are the soldiers of the Lord on the front lines into the territory of Satan knows that if he can sever the connections between a missionary and their supporting churches, then that most missionaries will not stay in the battle and will go home. Um, we've only been here for four years. And we could already start listing off a name of missionaries who are no longer here. You go ahead and help them again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's just it's just how things are. Sometimes health reasons are a reason why people have to go back. But sometimes people just quit because they're discouraged. They're hurting. Um, you know, other things pull them back. And um, and that just happens that happens all over the world. And that's where you and I got we, we get into the we get into the battle with them. See, missionaries live by faith. And upon the faith of those church attendees in the churches that financially support them. Living, see, I mean, living by our own faith, that can be challenging. I mean, when you're, when you're out there in an unknown world, don't know the culture, don't know anything, trying to learn the language, and you're the only one there, that can be very, very challenging to do. Okay? Um, so living by your own faith can be difficult at times. As you serve God and as God directs your path. But as we follow God, we also know that we're depending upon the faith of the church members back home. Because without them, it would make it far more difficult for us here. And so, if we aren't participating and giving and praying for our missionaries, it makes it more difficult for them. So you and I are just as important and vital for this. Okay, guys, you can go ahead and have a have a seat. So, Leo, you're you're finished. You're finished. <laughs> so, all right, thank you. All right, thank you for the help, guys. See, a missionary never receives a steady paycheck. What I mean by that is, um, it's never the same. You know, when you go to work, you you clock in. You know, you're going to get such and such wage because you put in such and such hours, for the most part. But a missionary never knows how much is going to come in for support that month. Um, it fluctuates and go up and down, different things depending on how things go with uh, with the, the churches back home. Um, some churches can't send support for their missionaries because the people didn't give the missions that month. It's just a matter of fact. So they can't send the support because the people didn't give, and so they weren't able to, to support their missionary. 
or that their people did not have the faith to trust God to take care of them and in so doing did not give to the Lord. See, when you decide not to trust God and to also live by faith, it impacts our missionaries. It impacts us. See, missionaries need to be encouraged as well. You know, sometimes they do feel like they are all alone. Uh, when they hear from people and they're supporting churches that they're being prayed for, it lifts their spirits. It really does. Um, you have no idea how much it is. You know, for example, you know, sometimes out of the blue, we'll get an email from one of our supporting churches or something that, you know, to say, hey, just want to let you know our family is praying for you today. And, um, and I, can, I can't tell you the times where God has intervened and kept us safe because people were praying for us. Um, I can tell you one, one time we were traveling back home in Michigan and uh, it was 2 o'clock in the morning because we were traveling from another state. And, um, and as we were going, we were about 30 miles away from our home. And we, love, we live in northern Michigan. So in other words, there are deer everywhere. And I mean, you know, a lot of people hit the deer on the way, on the dual carriageway. And as we're traveling up the road, we start seeing deer after deer after deer after deer after deer. We probably counted 30 deer within a 10-mile stretch standing alongside of the road. And they, none of them decided to run across in front of us. All it took was just one to run. And, it would have, and they probably would have hit our car and destroyed our car and things like that. Could have injured us. And it was spooky because it was also foggy. And so, I mean, you're, you're seeing these deer out coming out of, the, you know, the fog with your headlights. And um, we were just we, just, we just started praying, saying, Lord, could you just keep us safe? Because we have no idea um, what, what if one of these deer decided just to take off in front of us. And, um, and so we got home, we did get home safely. And um, the next day I received an email. And um, it was from a, a church that was a different time zone. And they said that, um, just want to let you know, at, at this such and such time, <coughs> the Lord put you on our hearts to pray for you. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They had no idea what we were going through at that time. And yet, when you pray for your missionaries, when God puts a missionary on your heart, you have no idea what they're going on, what's going on in their life at that moment. They could be, you know, they could be in traffic. Uh, something could be happening in their life. You have no idea. That's why prayer is so important. That's why we're trying to push, you know, pray for our missionaries, pray for our missionaries, because we don't know what's gonna, what, what they're going through, what's happening. You know, I encourage you Wednesday night. Come and listen to Dr. Figali. Um, I remember when I came here in 2007, and I heard Dr. Figali for the first time and how God was protecting him in, in Baghdad, Iraq, from bombings and from... Uh, it was just... It just blew my mind away. It was because people were praying for him. And, uh, and you, won't, you won't be uh, disappointed coming out Wednesday and hearing him um, talking about his ministry in the Middle East but you're praying for him and his family. Who knows? 
if it's our prayers that have been keeping him safe. As he's been ministering in, in Egypt where they're blowing up churches and, and uh, going to Iraq and, and different places where uh, if they find that you're a, a Christian, much less a missionary, they'll kill you. You know? Our prayers are important. And, uh, and so I, I, I want to tell you this morning, we need you as missionaries. You're important. You're not just a nobody. You're vital to the work of God. You really are. Moses needed Aaron and her. He didn't know when he walked up that mountain what was going to happen. He didn't know uh, how long the battle would be. But I'm pretty sure he's glad that Aaron and her came up there with him because he, he realized he needed their help. Can I ask you this morning, have you ever considered writing or emailing our missionaries just to encourage them? You know, even children and teens can be an encouragement. Uh, Jennifer's mom sometimes, she's a, she's a Christian school teacher, and uh, a couple times throughout the last four years that we've been here, uh, she'll take time out of her, her classroom, and the kids will make a little card, you know, just say, hey, you know, uh, we're praying for you, and she'll send them on to us. She didn't have to, but it was, it's a blessing to get stuff from, from little kids that they, they even know about us or think about us, and that they're praying for us. Um, anybody can be an encouragement. Uh, one of the reasons why we have our missionary tins that we have out for Christmas is pastor wants to be a blessing to the missionaries. Because Christmas can be a very hard time financially, but also it's a hard time emotionally. Because they're usually away from family. Uh, they're not there for the holidays. It's a very difficult time. And so he just wants to be a blessing to them. And that's why we usually have the missionary tins. And tonight we're going to have those tins out. Um, and so, you, you know, if you want, as a family, you can take one of them and just put your spare change and things like that throughout uh, the coming months. And we'll collect it in November like we have been doing. Just to be a blessing to them. Just let them know we love you. We appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate the sacrifices that you're making on our behalf. And um, it's just little things like that that are a blessing to missionaries. Now, we're going to quickly go here this last little bit. Look at for, verses 14 and 15. Or 13 through 15. Scripture says, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and its people with the edge of the sword. In other words, they beat them. They beat Amalek. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. And I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. See, the battle was won because Aaron and Hur shared the burden with Moses. Nothing else is said about the role Aaron and Hur played in the battle. You don't see any credit being given to them saying, Hey, thanks guys for being up there. You, you really saved the day. Nothing. Um, all that mattered was that the battle was won and the Israelites were kept safe. Now, though no one may see what you do for the Lord, God sees it and He makes note of it. They're in Scripture. We, God tells us about this story. He identifies them and saying, look, Moses was able to have this victory because he had these two men who went up there with him and helped him. They're, they were important to to Moses and the victory. Now, 
and, uh, and he also, he, God will reward those who labor for him in any capacity and reward them by their labor. So instead of, if you look here in verse number 15, Moses built an altar. Now he didn't build a, um, he didn't build a, a monument to Joshua's bravery and leadership skills. And for those who fought, you know, he didn't put a little, little, uh, statue or a little altar for them. Uh, instead he built an altar and honored God. See, Moses gave the glory to God and he built an altar and he called it Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord is my banner. And that's what he is. He's our banner. He is the banner. The work of the Lord is not about who gets the honor of what is done and how great of a name we can create for ourselves. It is all about being faithful to God and working together to spread the gospel all around the world and seeing men Women and children get saved. That's the whole point of it. And as we've been looking, as we're going to be looking at these different missionaries every Sunday night, we're not lifting them up on a pedestal and saying, look at what they did. We're using their lives as examples as saying, look what you can do. Look what you can do if you just obey and follow the Lord. God, God can use you just as He did for them. And, um, and that's why we're learning about these people. Because, um, all they did was they just followed the Lord and served Him. Now, in conclusion this morning, the biggest question though that I have for you this morning, do you even have a part? Do you have a part at all in helping the missionaries? Um, can I ask you, are you praying for Pastor Ledbetter and the missionaries that are supported by our church? Do you take time to pray for them at all? Um, on Wednesday night, Usually at the very top of our list, we've always been praying for Pastor Anita because they've been driving thousands and thousands of miles. And, uh, and anything can happen on these roads. We've seen it. And so um, pray for a pastor. They're, they're coming back in just a couple weeks. Uh, they'll be here May 31st. And we'll give you more details on that next Sunday. Um, but pray for Pastor Anita while they're away. Pray for our missionaries. Can I ask you, have you considered giving a special offering every month just for our missionaries? Now, it doesn't have to be a load of money. It doesn't have to be. You know, but if you got maybe an extra euro or, or a fiver or something like that, and just say, hey, you know what, I just want to be a blessing. And just and give it towards missions. You know, mark on it, missions only. That way it'll go towards missions. Are you serving in the Lord in any of the ministries here? If not, why not? I ask you, what excuse do you have that would justify you before the Savior of your soul in refusing to have a part in the Lord's work? He didn't make any excuse to, to not go to the cross for you. He went because He loved you. But most of the time, the reason why we don't pray, why we don't give, why we don't attend church, or we don't serve God, is because we just don't want to. It's all because we just don't want to. Lastly, this, are you saved this morning? Do you even know where you will spend eternity when you breathe your last breath? Why keep living in doubt when you can know with 100% assurance that heaven's your home? God doesn't, it's not a mystery for salvation. He wants every person to know how they can be saved. That's why we send missionaries, to tell others. Let's go ahead and go to Lord in prayer. We'll have our invitation.
Father, we do thank You so much for our missionaries. Lord, we thank You for those who risked their life to tell others about the Gospel. Whether it was generations ago that brought Christianity here to Ireland or um, throughout different countries of this world, that You used men and women uh, to tell others about the Gospel. And uh, Lord, I pray this morning that as we looked at the story of Moses and Aaron and her, God, that You speak to hearts. Lord, we're, we're needed in the lives of our, of our missionaries just as important as Moses needed Aaron and her for this battle. And uh, Lord, they were able to see a great victory because they were able to, to be there for uh, the man of God. And uh, Lord, I do pray that You would encourage our hearts, Lord, that You'd guide and direct um, Lord, whatever you're speaking to uh, hearts this morning, um, God, I pray that more people would get involved in missions, that would pray for our missionaries. Lord, maybe someone would uh, just desire to be a blessing to our missionaries and, and give. Lord, you have promised that you would uh, meet the needs of those who give to missions. And um, I just pray that you would help and bless, Lord, and um, just help our own hearts, Lord. I know sometimes it's so easy to get discouraged and we just don't want to, to do things because we don't want to do them. And, um, and yet, Lord, uh, you have given us a great responsibility to reach the world. I just pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning. And again, we thank you so much for salvation. Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, Lord, I pray that you work on their heart. They would decide to trust you this morning for salvation. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.